Are we recording? Survey says yes. Okay, great. Now, hopefully everybody can hear me. I mean, it's anyone's guess at this point. So, we'll find out. Alright, let's do it. Okay, so I need to... Okay, that's going to be interesting. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I just... <laughs> okay, okay, don't worry. I, I think we're fine. I, I think... I think we're just going to start... We're going to start the stream. We're going to start the show. And I think it's going to work out. So, let's do that. Let's go and start the show and the stream and everything else and... Make the things work out. Shall we do that? Very exciting stuff, folks. Very exciting stuff. We've got some people joining us tonight. I think this will be a fun one to, this evening. Um, especially if you like golf. If you don't like golf, well, it'll, it could still. It, I think it still could be a lot of fun. We, we love talking about all sorts of stuff during our golf, golf uh, podcasts. So uh, let's not waste any time. Let's do the thing. Let's do the thing. We're doing the thing. Here we go. Oh my goodness. Hey, alright. I just got home, y'all. I just got home. So it's nice to be here. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Hello. Um, my name is Dave Medina. You also know me as Davey's Eating a Sandwich on TikTok, Talk, and Instagram, and YouTube, and Twitch right here, where we are hosting another edition of The Sandwich Show. And, uh, on this night tonight, we're going to talk about golf. This is Joe Jonas 33, aka Hot Scout. What's going on? It's good to see you tonight. We are talking about golf this evening uh, with some good friends of, my, of, of mine. And um, they are John in Connecticut, Mike in North Jersey, and I believe at some point it'll may join us as well. I'm not exactly sure of that, but um, should be a really good time. I do want to thank all of you for your incredible support in the last two weeks. I mean, it's kind of amazing to think about, like, you know, all the people who've been on these on these on these streams, whether it was piano or um, piano, or whether it was just chatting, or whether it was food, or whether it was sports, or whatever we've been doing, thank you so much, everybody, for being a part of this experience. Like, it really means a lot. We've had some incredible raids too, so it's it's really cool to see that. I'll make a quick note for those of you, especially those of you who are listening on Spotify and so on. Um, we have a birthday stream tomorrow, so I'll be celebrating my birthday, which. For which the exact age I will not specify, but happy <laughs> celebrating my birthday tomorrow. Um, the projected time for the birthday stream on Twitch will be eight o'clock Eastern time, so we'll be there live. Twitch.tv slash Davey's eating a sandwich if you want to catch us there. Um, but uh, but yeah, Hopscale, how you doing? How's everything going? Hope you're doing well. Did you end up going to Bork Avenue or Bork Borks? Yeah, I I know you were talking about that over the weekend. I. There is an actual Bork Avenue in central New York, y'all. It's it's very exciting. I, I was actually extremely interested to know whether it happened. Uh, and uh, our friend writes, I was thinking something so funny. If I had money, I would have gotten a photo stick figure of you and a picture with a Bork Street. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all about it. Well, that, that's really great. Really nice of you to, to stop by to, um, 
to check in on and, and update me on that. That's that's really cool. Thank you so much for for hanging for for stopping by just to to mention that. And feel free to hang out with us some some more the rest of the uh, show. Should be really should be a fun one. But yeah, I would have been I would have been dying laughing if you were able to put that together. <laughs> but I I still love it. Not yet. It'll be in there. Oh, in June. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Coming up later in June. Okay. Okay. Well, let me tell you, Mrs. Joe Jonas. I hope one day. I hope one day is Joe Jonas like the Jonas brother Joe Jonas like the one from that the music duo Joe jo Jonas Brothers like that. Uh, that's that's pretty awesome, Hopscale. Actually, that's kind of neat. <laughs> nice. I I love your forward thinking. <laughs> I really do. That's really good forward thinking. That's really great. Um, well. That's phenomenal. I appreciate I appreciate you you join you being a part of this tonight. Definitely keep us posted over on Discord or here or even if you have an Instagram, let me know on Instagram too. Um, and anybody else who's uh, with us tonight and watching in our chat live, you can go to our um, Sophie Turner is so lucky. Oh, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. Those guys are cool guys. Yeah, like, those guys are cool guys. Not gonna lie, the Jonas Brothers are pretty cool. So um, so anyway, yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Um. We'll we'll keep the stream going a little bit just to give you a little a few a few um um a few uh, nuggets as far as what's gonna happen on tomorrow's stream. But tonight we're gonna talk some golf, and we have three folks already ready to to join the party with us. I do need to update the scenes in the Twitch side, so um give me a moment while I do that. But first, I think I'd like to say hello to our panel. We have some really good stuff to talk about with golf tonight. The the PGA Championship was won by Brooks Kepka, who now plays for the Live Tour, which is a, an alternate tour that that was started in. Uh, there's a long story behind it. For those of you who are who are joining us for the first, uh, joining us for golf for the first time on this channel, um, I can probably get into some of that. But but the, the long story is short: is it's the competing. There's some association with the Saudi Arabian government, and uh, it's got some, and it's got a couple of big names. And and Brooks Kepka is one of them. He had a great he had a great tournament. He did really well on Saturday, which is crazy because the weather was awful. Sunday, he just picked it up and kept it going. And so it was a really good tournament. You know, Brooks, I mean, Victor Hovland had a, did very well for himself until the 16th hole where he had he hit the lip of the uh, the bunker. And not to be for Brooks, for Victor Hovland, but definitely a great effort and a lot of great efforts all around. So let's go ahead and introduce you to our panel. We have, for now, we have John and Mike. Mike, I'm going to go to you first. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's good to do, do this again with you. Oh, hold the phone. I'm doing well, Dave. I'm still uh, trying to dry off from uh, Saturday at the PGA Championship because, I'll tell you, you got more soaked that day than you would if you ventured through a breakfast bus thread in circa 2012. So, <laughs> I know uh, it. Still had a good time, but yeah. uh, I I'll get into that a little bit more later on. Uh, it was a slog, to say the least. Uh, yeah trudging around out there in the rain in rochester oh absolutely it was really wild stuff um and let's say hello to our other guest tonight our good friend john in connecticut welcome back john how's it going tonight what's going on guys that's awesome mike you got to go to a major i've yet to go to a major so that's on my bucket list to do wherever wherever that may be um you know we have our little travelers event right down the road here that i go to but i mean nothing could compare to a major tournament so uh, good job by you going even in the, you know, driving rain on Saturday. Um, lots of alcohol would have been consumed for sure to try to get through that, through that day. But Dave, I mean, you, you came on saying Brooks Kepka won. Like, didn't Michael Block win the tournament? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, what's, what's, I mean, Brooks Kepka actually won. 
That is funny. Oh, that is okay. funny. They cut to him so many times, you right? Like, known it from some of the coverage that you saw. <laughs> I know, right? Oh gosh, I, but you know, I do have to give. I I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to tweak that too much though, because it is a great story. To be fair to Michael Block, like that's a cool story being a, a tour pro, you know, and then getting into the getting into the mix and even finishing and making the cut and getting into the final round, even being within the first. I couldn't say maybe the first twenty. Top twenty finish, I think it was. It's pretty good. Um, Mike can, I mean, and then he's gonna get to go to Valhalla next year when they are over there in Kentucky. So that's that's cool. But you're right, they they cut him a lot. They even went to like a live looking, and like he was even doing an interview while he was like about to do a chip shot from like whatever only was on Saturday. It's kind of kind of nuts. But Mike, let's go to you. I mean, it was a great story. Yeah. They just they just like beat beat. It was like beating a dead horse. Like at that point, yeah, towards yeah, the yeah. end of it, it was just. It was a little much. Um, it was almost like they were looking for reasons not to show Brooks Kepka's shots because, like, he's part of the live tour. Um, but Block actually got it, he got an exe- a sponsor's exemption to play at the Colonial Tournament this week on the PGA Tour and the Canadian Open next month. Um, so I'm going to f- try to find a prop for his score this week and hammer the over because he's going to finish possibly dead last. That's my guess. No yeah. offense to him, but. It, He's not gonna. He's not gonna do well again. Well, no, I mean, I, I'm not arguing that because, like, I, I, I think the world. Oh, we we flipped we flipped spaces. I'm sorry. Um, let me go switch this. Flip this around. I think I know what this is because you are over here. Oh gosh, that's crazy. Don't worry about that right now, fellas. Like, it, it's all on the Twitch side. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, Andy, are you with us at the moment? Andy, have you joined us, Andy? Uh, I'm here. Hey Andy, how's it going tonight? Uh, behind schedule, but I just wanted to join just to basically hear what the real experts have to say, and I might I might have some twelve cents thoughts down the road. But <laughs> I didn't get to watch too much. Beautiful, beautiful. I know Mike was there, and I know John was on top of it. So how did you find out I, about the twelve cents situation? <laughs> what do you mean? How did you find out about the twelve cents scenario? It's twelve. That's great. I don't. What do you? It's. What do you? I don't get it's in inflate. You. I, I get. It used to be ten cents, but now it's twelve cents because, <laughs> of, because of inflation. No. Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll give you that, Andy. Um, welcome back. How's it's good to see you. Um, let's go back to to Mike for a second. I've still got some things to work out on my end over here, so I'm gonna take care of that in a second. But, um, Mike, tell us a little bit about how things were going. Um. For our friend Brooks, for Brooks Kepka, as mentioned, it's actually a pretty significant win because he's now on the Live Tour, so it's kind of a feather in the cap for them. Um, and actually, a few people from the Live Tour did okay. Like I thought, Bryson DeChambeau actually did okay. Like he did had a decent round too. Um, let's get your thoughts on Kepka, though, um, and how he he came through and uh, got the got it done, and especially in the weather. And then, by the way, Mike, I did want to comment on that too. There's a great job of you getting out there, even if it's rainy. Um, you know, it's all about me scenario, but the weather was not good when I was at the U.S. Open in 2012 with my dad in San Francisco. It was not a fun, weather-wise, it was not great either. But it's still worth it to be at a major, you know? So I, I love this. I love the spot for you, my friend. So, um, yeah, let's get your thoughts on the Kepka scenario. Well, before we get into anything about him being a live player, we should stop and reflect on what a momentous achievement five majors is for a player. Uh, Only 20 guys have ever done it all time. 
I think actually most of those came prior to World War II with, um, you know, a lot of guys winning a ton of British Opens back in the day and whatnot. So, you know, that that's really a um, that's a high hurdle to get to, because since that whole like Nicholas uh, Trevino Watson era ended, you're only talking about Seve, Faldo, Phil and Tiger. That's it. That's who he's with right now. Um, so he's, and I, I guess this ties into the live a little bit. He's put himself in this rarefied air historically, and he's only 33 years old. Um, you know, when he won his fourth major, which was the 2019 PGA championship, I think we all, we all thought the sky was the limit there. But then he had a lot of injury problems. And we we touched on this course in our last podcast because of his role in the uh the Masters. But uh what really came out between the full swing documentary and now the stuff with his people talking more often was actually how severe this knee injury was, that uh he wasn't really able to get back to hundred percent for a couple of years. And now it seems like he you know, he's there. He looks like the old Brooks Kepka, this just absolute stone-faced assassin who, you know, in the moment is going to keep himself composed. He's not going to make any big mistakes. The mistakes he does make, he knows how to mitigate them. And just that, just that attitude, it just reverberates off of him. This I'm better than everyone else here. And the harder it gets and the more pressure that gets ramped up, it's the fewer people that I have to beat. And, um, now, if he can stay healthy, and I, I think that's a pretty big if on the nature of modern golf with the explosive swings, how big he is, he's always going to be putting himself at risk a little bit for injury. But, you know, he, he's got a chance to do some stuff here over these next five years, you know, between now and the time that he's 38. You know, he wins two more. He's tied with Arnold Palmer. Um, and then you're really talking about someone who could be bursting into the top 10 of all time. Now he, he's a strange person to analyze just because he has so little success relatively outside of the majors. What does he have? Like nine total career PGA tour wins. He's got a couple live tour wins. I think he has a challenge tour win or so, and maybe a couple European tour wins. That's it. Um, you know, Faldo and Seve had very few PGA Tour wins, but the thing was that was because they played full-time on the European Tour. Both of them won pretty prolifically out in Europe. Although Faldo, if you look at actually, I I believe, if you look at his stretch of winning majors, a lot of his regular wins were before that started happening, and he didn't necessarily win all that much like you would expect for a six-major winner while he was winning majors. So maybe that's the closest comparison. Although in terms of how they play, they're absolutely nothing alike. But uh, yeah, that that part's a, a little hard to decipher. I mean, does he really just not, you know, give a crap during the regular events? I, I guess to some extent. But um, just r- really an example here where, you know, a guy set himself apart again. And uh, as for the live tour, uh, like I've alluded to in the past here, th- there's so much there's so many moving parts here that it's very hard to analyze what's going to happen with live where's it, where it's going. Um, but listen, this is obviously a huge feather in their cap now. And they took a, 
at the time, what was maybe considered a bit of and offered Brooks Kepka north of $100 million to join. And now he's the Brooks Kepka of old again. And he looks like he's the best player in the world. And then maybe Scheffler and Rahm on a given day can compete with him. But just in terms of where he is with his resume, even if you want to say that those two at their best are as good as him, he's got a better resume. He's got five majors. So that's a big feather in their cap right now. You can say that the guy is over there. So, I mean, I don't know how many eyeballs that will ultimately draw to the set. And, uh, but whatever, that's besides the point that, you know, they have the top dog. So smart move by them. Um, you do wonder if Kepka would have gone, uh, because he did flat out say in, uh, one of his press conferences that, you know, if, if I knew I was healthy, it would have been at least a much tougher decision. So I think maybe he's tipping his hand a little bit there, but you know, that's neither here nor there. That's where he is. So just a great job by him. Um, if you want to just get into a couple quick things about the round, um, obviously the three birdies in succession on two, three, and four, where he just fired darts at the pin, you know, he came out, gave himself the breathing room, but I think there were uh, a few critical moments here where he was able to keep it together. One was that second shot on six after the penalty drop. He is on the right side of the creek. He's playing with his ball well above his feet. He has to hit a fade off of a hook lie. That ball easily could have gone into the creek on the left side there, and he could have made double or triple bogey. Instead, he hits the third shot after the penalty drop onto the green, gets out of there with bogey. On 11, his ball on the par three is straight up against the lip of the bunker. He easily could have left that bunker shot in the bunker and made double on that hole. He doesn't. He is able to splash it out of like a half fried egg lie, get away with bogey. And then on 12, he makes like a pretty daring uh, second shot right over the corner of a bunker into a pin that's tucked towards the bunker on the left side. Makes birdie. Then on 13, he screws up that third shot. It spins back off the green. He puts it up. He hits it way past, but he's able to sink the putt for par. And then he comes back up and hits that sky high uh, draw off the tee that's able to land softly and he makes birdie. So just a good example. He threw darts when he needed to throw darts and he remained steady when he needed to remain steady. And he was able to bounce back. He didn't let the momentum really get going in the other way, even as Hovland played a solid round behind them before getting stymied on the uh, 16th hole. So uh, incredible job by Brooks Kepka. He's turned back the clock and you know what? Now it feels for him a lot like it did four years ago when he was coming off that uh, big win at Beth page black at the PGA championship. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty. I mean, it's, it's I'm I'm happy for him in that regard because like he did he'd come close a few times too. So, you know, in the years leading up to this little dry spell he's been having, Mike. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll I'll tip the cap for sure. Um, to John we go. Let's get your thoughts. Anything you want to add as far as Brooks Kepka? Yeah, I mean, we saw the Brooks of bold as Mike was alluding to. I mean, when he was at the top of his game. You know, four or five years ago, he'd come into the to the major week like he'd be the guy to beat. He'd be the favorite, and he he like embraced the, that that kind of pressure to go out there and know that he was um, the the top guy in the leaderboard. And he doesn't phase away from the pressure. And it was really interesting. Like after the round on, I believe it was Saturday, we just had that amazing four under round in the conditions where no one was really doing anything. I think there were only about four or five guys under par the entire day. And he's talking with Amanda and she's like, well, what did you learn from the masters? He's like, well, 
this is never going to ha- that is never going to happen again what happened at the masters so i don't know whether he, it was just a mindset of him to play more aggressively or or i don't think it was anything to do with his swing because his, his game is clearly where it needs to be in terms of his you know his short game and his approach stats are uh just phenomenal i mean that's that's always what he's 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 been good at but i mean of course the distance off the tee but just maybe his mental approach to the final round at, at the masters was very different than what he had here. And you can kind of almost see it, um, you know, the, the, with the hot start when he birdied, you know, the, the uh, two, three and four, and, and he really extended his lead even more. And he kind of gave himself a little bit of uh, breathing room where he could make, still be okay. And was able to rebound as, as Mike alluded to during the round. So um, yeah, we kind of saw this uh, kind of saw the page turning for him at Augusta, like last year, he was, just, I remember picking him at the Masters last year. He was just a disaster. Like, he just mentally, he was just, you could, you even saw in his full swing episode, he was just a complete wreck. And he, he wasn't healthy. And that just led him to go into the live tour. And, um, you know, he had the, that surgery that I guess they said he was very close to not even playing, like almost career ending, uh, his knee injury. And um, obviously, he was able to recover from that. And, yeah, huge feather in their cap to have a guy with the most majors of really any active player at this point. I mean, you know, you can call Tiger an active player, but, you know, the guys that play a majority of the tournaments a year or majority of the majors a year, I mean, he's got the most majors out of all of them. Obviously, he's a little older than, you know, Rahm and Scheffler and those guys, and they, they have a way to, ways to go. But still, he's, he's the top guy at the moment when you uh, come into a major. I mean, He'll be the favorite or one of the favorites uh, next month at the U.S. Open, without a doubt. And, um, yeah, five majors. I mean, you can't, can't, can't get much better than that. I mean, the guy is, um, you know, when he's on his game, he's just a tremendous player. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can, um, you know, keep the form going. If he plays like this again, I don't see any reason why he won't be in contention again the last two, um, last two majors of the year. And uh, he just has that just that mentality that separates him from some of these other golfers where when he gets in contention, uh, you know, he's going to close the deal more often than not. Yeah. This is definitely a turn back the clock scenario for, uh, for, for Mr. Kepka, wasn't it? Like pretty neat stuff. Um, so let's go to Andy. Any, anything you want to add as far as Kepka? He's muted. Yeah, as I said, he's he's not he's he's a pretty good golfer. You know, he's not bad. <laughs> got that dog. He's got that dog in him. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, you know, he he's tough to wrap your arms around him. But you don't wrap your arms around uh, every golfer anyway. Like you could wrap all your arms around Ricky Fowler if you want. You could wrap all your arms around. Xander Shoffley, you could wrap all your arms around um, the the guy uh, that played with Rory. I'm sure we'll talk about it. That's actually a cool story. I'm afraid eventually people are going to get sick of him or he's going to get the Ken Bone Sergio Dip treatment because he's getting like almost too much of a following. But he, you could wrap your arms around him. You, could, you know, everyone likes to wrap their arms around Rory, but Rory doesn't have what Kepka has and um you know we can talk about live later if you want but um 
you know, Kepka's got that, um, what is it, tunnel vision? Is it, he, he blocks the noise out. He he wants to kill you out there. You know, Rom, Rom's kind of similar to, Rom's, Rom, I think, gets a little angrier than Kepka, and maybe his emotions get the best out of him. Like, Kepka doesn't bang microphones with his driver, and he doesn't snap at the cameraman like Rom does. But um, John mentioned it earlier, like, one of the big takeaways was that round three when no one was posting anything remotely low and he had such an outlier of a minus four. Also on the, in the first round, I think he posted a plus one. A lot of golfers in a major, if they are six shots back, I think he was six shots back after round one, like they have no chance, but a guy like Kepka can hang in there and you do what you do on on Saturday get yourself on the on the you know the last group out there on Sunday you can you can bring it home um I don't know if he actually hated Bryson DeChambeau or if that was all just for giggles or whatever but again a weaker character getting paired up with someone like Bryson uh, that could have derailed someone like, uh, you know, someone that's not like Kepka, or maybe he learned, uh, not to let little piddly things get to him. Like he admitted playing behind Cantley at Augusta six weeks ago affected him. So he can, most of the time he can block, uh, the noise out. And then as Mike alluded to the, uh, the, the birdie, after the bogey, I, so I think yeah, it was either 12 or 13. Mike just said it, but I forget. I'm, I'm wicked tired. But uh, uh, he had to match because Hovland knocked it a little closer. Kepka's shot was uh, basically he putted from the fringe and Nance even Nance called it. He was like, this is one of those momentum retaining putts that Kepka of the past is known for making. And he made it and Hovland matched his birdie from much closer distance. And yeah, he's uh he's 14 to one as of yesterday for US Open. I think that's I actually think that's pretty good value still. Um because I think LA Country Club North is gonna be a very tough course. And it, it, we know Kepka has proven time and time again now, um injuries notwithstanding, lives player notwithstanding, uh that he he is a horse for tough courses, you know, as, as Mike mentioned. Yeah. Like he's, I'm sorry. He, he might not win as many Canadian opens and, uh, Wells Fargo's and, um, you know, whatever event next week is in Texas. Cause I get Charles, I get Schwab and Byron confused, but yeah, he, he might not win those. He might not win as many uh, FedEx cup, as Rory, he might not win as many, um, you know, Honda classics as someone less of his ability. He's not going to win Safeway open like Brandon Steele, um, but he's going to win the majors and he's got five of them and not many players have five of them. Uh, we're still waiting for Ricky Fowler to win that first one, but I guarantee he wins one. They're going to come in bunches. People still think that, but yeah, you get my point. Mm -hmm. Kepka, 
Kepka's got balls, and again, he's he's not like, he's he's no day at the beach to root for, and his wife is annoying as hell. But I mean, again, you don't you know nice guys don't always win the golf tournament. Sometimes you have to be like you got to be an ordinary prick. So good good for Kepka. Yeah, that's true. You've got plenty of heels. Um, is my audio coming okay now, Mike? Is it still kind of crackling? Okay, very good. Uh, just to repeat, just some of the points though, but I, I'm with you on that, uh, Andy. So let's let's continue the coverage into the rest of the field at Oak Hill, which, you know, honestly, it's a very very nice course. It's really really interesting how the weather had just completely borked the entire field. Really, like there was like maybe one or two people who finished under par, and I think Kepko's one of them. And um, even Peters had a, like a good start in the in, early in Saturday, and then he ended up finishing either at par or over par even. So it's it's kind of it, it was really a rough day. It's just to come back from that and have everybody scoring so well the next day was kind of neat. So um, let's go back to Mike and talk about some of the other contenders. I mean, Hovland, I, I like I said, I think that was a pretty good performance on his end. Uh, but who are some of the other guys near the top that you want to give a to cast a spotlight on, Mike? You know, Dave, before I get into that, I just want to quickly touch on one point Andy made because it was a good one. The whole thing about the pace of play and how Kepka had a lot of problems with that at the Masters. Ian Baker Finch, I think it was, brought up a very good point during the broadcast. And he noticed that Kepka was really taking his time on like the two foot putts and lining up putts and whatnot so that he did not end up having to like rush off to the next hole and then wait behind a group. So he sort of played in a way that a lot, like he was, when it was his shot, he was there, he was quick, like he normally is. But he was a little bit deliberate with some stuff in order to, now in order to avoid being unnecessarily burdened with uh, the pace of play. So again, that goes to show you, you know, he's a witty guy. He knows what he's doing out there and he knows how to make adjustments in order to maximize his, uh, his chance at success. Uh, in terms of some other players, Victor Hovland, this is the third straight major he's been in contention. This is the third straight top 10. And obviously if he's in contention, they were not backdoor top 10s. What I think is most encouraging about this performance is that he's finally starting to show some variety and some success with his shots around the green. He was completely one-dimensional with that before, and despite his very good ball striking, if you're one-dimensional with those types of shots in a major championship, you're not going to win them just because this, the way they're set up, you're going to miss more greens than you're going to miss in a regular tour event and your recoveries are going to be trickier. So you got to be able to do a few things around there in order to um, win. But it seems like what he's worked on, where he's going with that, he's going to be okay. So good job by him. Uh, the, the first major for him is coming and I think it's coming in a uh, relatively short fashion. So if you're, if you're uh, any betting people out there, I would just, uh, you know, maybe take them each major going on the rest of the year and see how that works out for you. Uh, some other guys, DeChambeau, like, look, this performance came absolutely out of nowhere. Um, he's been doing nothing at all on the live tour. He's at the bottom of the field in that. And we know that look, live got some very good top end guys, but if, if you look at their ranks, a lot of players out there are past it to say the least. And DeChambeau is getting his rear end kicked by those guys. But, um, Found something this week. He has 
really slimmed down again. And uh, I, I, I don't want to allude to anything he may have been doing, but he got big really quickly. Then he got a lot of injuries and now he's lost most of that muscle mass. So um, I don't know. Take that evidence for what you want to take it for. I don't know. <laughs> not saying anything, not making any accusations, pointing out changes in him. But yeah, you know, like he still has a very good amount of speed. He always had like underrated power before he really bulked up. But the thing was, his strategy was to, he had two driver swings. One was control. One was to really crank it out, crank it out there. And um, yeah, now, nowadays, even with him slimmed down, you know, he pretty much goes for the power drivers all the time. So he still has plenty of power um, with this performance. I think we'll uh, be hearing from him again. Uh, some other guys, you know, Corey Connors had it to seven under late in the day on um, Saturday, and he was undone by the same bunker that uh, did in Victor Hovland, the bunker on the 16th hole, embedding the ball. Um, and it's funny, they had Andrew Green on uh, live from leading into this tournament. Andrew Green is the guy who he's a golf architect. He's the one who did the restoration of Oak Hill. And uh, one of the things they were talking about was, well, you, you know, these bunkers, a lot of them have really severe edges. He's like, well, and I think it was either Shambly or Faxon who asked him, well, you know, if there's a uh, if there's an incident here where, you know, someone gets stymied by one of these and there's criticism, what are you going to say? And he sort of just shrugged the shoulders. He's like, look, bunkers are hazards. They're supposed to be hazards. And, you know, I think he's got a point. The, the bunker play today is just so good. You know what? If you get you get up against the lip or whatnot, well, they don't hit it in the bunker. So I'm not going to say that what happened to those guys was unfair or anything. Uh, Scheffler fell victim to the uh, infamous Vidmush, you know, along with the uh, 2012 <laughs> Vancouver Canucks and uh, basically half of the college football uh, teams in the country in 2012. Another victim. Uh no, listen, it, it just goes to show you the nature of golf. It's a difficult sport. If you're a little bit off for just, you know, two hours, two hours during your tournament, that can be all all she wrote for you and fell too far behind. Now, granted, look, I was there Saturday. By the time he teed off, those conditions were absolutely horrendous. I saw like no less than five players try to hit the rough on Saturday where they went less than a hundred yards. They just couldn't, it was so, it was so thick and, you know, so wet that you just couldn't advance it very far. So like it, it's difficult conditions. I'm surprised they didn't manage them a little bit better. Of course he came back and played a good round Sunday to get a T2. Um, I mean, I would just bet Scheffler top five, every single major going forward until something changes because it seems like that's almost a lock at this point. So more coming for him. Um, would not be surprised at all if it's next month at LA Country Club. So, yeah, he, he continues his trajectory towards being, you know, really sort of establishing himself. Uh, you know, he only has one major, but, um, you know, th there's going to be a couple more, I think, in short order, barring injury. Uh, anyone else really struggling? You know what, I, I I guess I will say this because I got to see it in person. Seeing Phil Mickelson in person nowadays is absolutely eerie. 
and you really do get these Hollywood Hulk Hogan vibes. He comes up, it is pouring rain. I posted a video of it on uh, Facebook a couple of days ago. It is absolutely pouring rain. He's in all black. He's wearing his sunglasses for some reason. I don't know why you, why he's, how he could see anything, but like I followed Phil a few times years ago, and the guy was always trying to make eye contact with everyone, giving people the thumbs up, acknowledging everyone. He's acting like no one is there, nobody exists. He's in his own little world, chomping on that energy gum nonstop. And it's just like, what in God's name happened? It's real, it really is Hollywood Hulk Hogan. If Anyone out here was a wrestling when Hulk Hogan went to WCW, joined the NWO, became a bad guy. And I was like, oh, my God, it, it really gives you that vibes right down to the sunglasses and the uh, little bit of stubble he has going on. It was an eerie thing to witness, a very eerie thing to witness. Um, as for Michael Block, I'll quickly touch on him. Listen, great story. Um, inspiring to see a guy that says he hits one bucket of balls a week, go out there and play the PGA championship. That being said, I, I saw a, a thing on the golf channel earlier or no, not on the golf channel on Twitter that right now, Michael, he, he has better odds to win the Charles Schwab than Kevin Kistner. You know what? I'm going to go see if I can get a matchup on that. And I might put every cent I have on Kevin Kistner. <laughs> it's a great story, but come on. Like we, we know what happened here. That It's one of the magical things about golf that someone that has a certain requisite level of ability can put it together for 72 holes, can do something like that. That's one of the enthralling things about the sport. But I mean, people got to use their noodles here if they're really going to go out and bet on him to win the Charles Schwab Classic. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And he's not more likely to win it to Kevin than Kevin Kistner, who actually is a pretty damn good fit for that course because of how tight it is and how it's not really a, a not lawn or anything. So, um, yeah, great story, but. You know, it's like everything these days. Everything gets run into the ground. Like, I, I did see one thing. Let's give him a tour card for the rest of the year. Why? 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 No, it's a great story. It's nice. He deserves his moment in the sun. Seems like a good guy. You know, it was he was very emotional. But then this, let's give him a tour card. No, you should not give him a tour card. There's a lot of really, really, really good golfers <laughs> toiling away, busting their asses, who would wax this guy nine out of ten times. So, listen, great story. We'll keep an eye on him these next couple of weeks. It's nice that he gets to come back. And let, let's give him credit. He is a very good player. He won the uh, PGA, the PGA Professionals Championship this year. And this was the fifth time he's managed to qualify for the um, – PGA championship, which means he finished, I forget exactly what you have to finish to qualify out of it. But if you do that five times as a teaching pro, you know what? It, you can play a little bit. So good moment for him. But uh, like I said, we, we, we don't need to uh, give him a PGA tour card. That that's a little silly. Wow. Just, just recency bias going hog wild folks. Um, to say goodbye to Mrs. Joe Jonas 33. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Let us know how th things go in Bork Street once you do, once you do get there. And then uh, Stephen Friend, so good to see you again tonight. Uh, we're chatting golf with our friends. These are my IRL friends. This is John in Connecticut on the upper left. Andy in Seattle on the lower left. And on the lower right, we have our friend Mike in North Jersey, who just had some really good points about 
<laughs> about Michael Block, and you know, it's it's easy to get sucked into that. And uh, so I'm gonna guess give it to John. And John, let's get your thoughts on the rest of the field. And surely, as you mentioned, the saturation of coverage <laughs> with Michael Block definitely hit him. It was almost as if he was one of the commentators during the coverage at one point during the the weekend. So let's get your thoughts on the rest of the field too. Yeah, I already had my block thoughts earlier, but I'll say it again. Like, whatever prop they have up there for his score on Thursday, I'm going over because it's like, it's not going to happen again. Um, you know, great, great guy, great story, but this this is not, you know, for him to be 400 to 1, he should be 1,000 to 1 to win the Charles Schwab Challenge this week. Um, completely agree with Mike. Um, yeah, as for the rest of the field, actually, one more thing, like, if block if he could turn this into like a, a live tour invitation it'd be the greatest like turnaround in like the history of golf that's really what he should be angling for get that live money uh, and you know he, he won't have to charge less uh, for lessons anymore but um yeah uh, I'll mention a couple other guys here completely agree on Victor Hovland he seems to be rounding into his own um he was like literally dead last in the PGA tour in terms of around the green play and he's he's turned that around for sure. And um, you've seen that improvement in the last few majors, like we've talked about, as he's um, finishing the top 10. And they weren't just like backdoor top 10s either. Like he was in contention. I mean, he was in the final group with Rory at, at um, uh, St. Andrews last year. Uh, and he was very much, I wouldn't say he was like a threat to win the Masters earlier this year. Although he did, I think he was the first round leader, if I recall. Um, but, you know, he, he was right there. It wasn't like, um, if you look at this leaderboard, uh, Cam Davis or Kirk Hidayama who shoot like six under on the last round and they jump into the top 10 or, or, you know, top three. Um, that wasn't like this uh, with Victor. He was, he had very much had a chance to win this. And, um, I agree. I think it's almost like, remember when, uh, I believe it was 2014, Ricky Fowler had a top five in all four majors. Um, you know, it was like, Oh, well, let's watch out for Ricky. He's gonna be the next big thing. And it just kind of never materialized. Um, I think Victor, he's going to get one here at some point. It may not be the next two, but I guaranteed within the next five years, we'll be talking about Victor Hovland winning a major here on this on this program. Um, yeah, Scheffler. I mean, what can you say about this guy? Like, he's he's just his floor is like top twelve. Like, I mean, he's a shitty week. He's 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 tied for twelfth. Like, the guy's unbelievable. His consistency with his irons, um, and just the way he strikes the ball. The one thing that gets him in trouble is his putter, and we've We've seen it when he kind of um, has some of these lulls in his play and when he kind of drops down the leaderboard a little bit. He misses some short putts. You know, he just can't get the speed right or, or the line right in the greens. He just doesn't have a feel for it. And that's when he gets um, – he shoots some of his bad scores. Uh, that was kind of where he was at on, on uh, Saturday. He also really didn't hit the ball that well, um, which plays a role into it. Like, just it's kind of a snowball effect. But you knew he was going to rebound on Sunday and – um, you know, if not for that round, he's going to win the tournament for sure. So, but Hey, that's, that's why they play four rounds and not three. Um, but yeah, his floor is just, he's just so consistent. Um, again, you know, a top two, I agree with Mike, you bet him top five, top 10 in every major you're, you're sitting pretty. Um, yeah, DeShambo, like there was comparisons of this course to like winged foot, you know, just a really long, you know, Northeast course that you could almost, you know, bomb and gouge like the strategy. Although there was some more trouble on this course than I would say at Wakefoot. I mean, you had that, uh, that uh, lake on some of those holes in the creek that kind of intersects everything. Um, so I'm not, you know, really, really surprised that he did well at this particular course because I think it fit in pretty well. Um, we'll see what he does in uh, upcoming majors. But 
Um, this was a good fit for his style of play. So uh, I think we'll just chalk it up to that. Um, I, I guess we, we kind of have to give McElroy a little credit just because he wasn't a complete disaster. Um, I mean, he had his moments finished in the top 10, much better than his performance at Augusta. But, I mean, who would have thought, like, you know, we've all said it, like when he wins his last major in, what, 2014, he's sitting there with four majors. Here we are almost 10 years later, and a guy has passed him by in, what, five years, uh, you know, with, with Kepka winning five. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what the rest of the year brings for Rory, but at least it was a, a little bit of an encouraging performance. Um, you know, a couple other guys like Terrell Hatton shoots seven over in the first round and ends up like making his way into the top 15, three under par rounds after that. So just guys like that, you just gotta, they're just like kicking themselves or having that poor round to start off or they'd be like right in the tournament. But again, like, you know, that's why they play four rounds and not, uh, not three. Um, you know, Corey Connors was having a pretty good week as, as you guys mentioned, but that bunker was just. Uh, too much for the, um, you know, for him to, to overcome that double bogey. Uh, I, I'm interested to know, like, if Hovland was watching or any of the coverage or highlights, like, he took the same exact club that Connors did and just stood it, and it was like the exact same shot. I don't know if he was watching the coverage and didn't see what happened, or maybe his caddy could have told him something. I don't know. Because that was, see if he gets up, you know, if he just kind of wedges it out, and then he could possibly save par with a good wedge shot at that point, but. Um, I guess it is what it is. Um, I guess that's all I'll mention for the top of the leaderboard. I mean, if we're going to go into like kind of our disappointments or surprises, there's, there's a few. Uh, we can't, we have to mention though, Tom Kim taking a mud bath on Friday afternoon at about like almost seven o'clock. It was the funniest thing, I think, all week. You know, the late ESPN coverage and he's, you know, they, they show him hitting, he like fell into the mud. We haven't seen it. It's all over social media. And he comes out of it like a, he's like a, a mud man like he's he's covered in mud and then he goes in around the creek and like he's taking a bath to wash the mud off and then he's taking off his shirt on the course it was hilarious and then they then they interview him after the round and he doesn't realize he'd gone viral his re reaction to it is just priceless he's just dying with laughter so good good moment for him uh, with that even though he did miss the cup but it was it was pretty entertaining as, as the coverage um wound itself down on on friday afternoon Yep, but yeah, I mean, just a lot of a lot a lot of interesting stuff during this entire weekend, to be sure. To be sure, John. Before I go to Andy, I did want to make a, mention a comment in our chat from Steam and Friend, who says, um, who says that uh, he loved as a fellow Fat Packer fan. I approve of one of these chat windows. I'm pretty sure it's yours. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Go pack, go. Love it. All right, so, uh, and by the way, we, we'll do some football stuff during the year as well, Steven, so come on back, you know, if you're, if you ever, if you ever see us in the fall, we'll, we'll get, we'll get into all those scenarios. So, Andy, um, are you watching the NBA game at all tonight, or are you kind of not? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the, I'm watching the Lakers, I'm watching your Lakers, Dave, Dude. but I've been, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I have, I have the Lakers, why, why do you ask? Well, they're up 15 at halftime. What do you think there? Do you think they'll hang on to that? Um, I, I Well, I, I hope you don't mush it, but, I mean, just as long as I win by four, I'm all right. I took, <laughs> right, them, because, right. I took I them because it's hard It's hard to sweep. True. Um, unless you're the heat because the Celtics are absolutely <laughs> clowns. But I think, I think LeBron, LeBron's got enough pride of a lion 
inside mm-hmm. them. Uh, hopefully it works. And I, I know like then it's hard to, it's hard to sweep. I, I yeah. mean, Denver has shown that they're much better than the Lakers so far, but I remember a, I don't know someone's going to have to look it up for me, but uh, it was like an, Oh, it was a long time ago. It was like 2007 or whatever. And this, Whoever the Spurs played in the Western Conference Finals, the they were up. The Spurs were up three nothing, and I was in Vegas. It was like yeah, Memorial Day weekend or whatever, and I bet the Spurs thinking that they were gonna sweep because they had dominated the first three games of the series and they lost. Um, Eddie, if maybe, maybe Eddie can look that up at some point, but I think it was obviously a, a Spur Cleveland final but i forget who the spurs played in the western conference final. anyway um yeah go go lakers tonight but i was looking at my phone while john and mike were talking about odds and gambling and my site does not have michael block matchups but i am i am piggybacking uh what both said i will i will fade michael block till i'll fade michael block this week at, at uh, Chuck Schwab, and then I was looking at Scheffler. Uh, Scheffler's minus three fifty, or Scheffler's plus three fifty on my site to to win, which is just ridiculous. That is such a short odd. And then for top ten, he's minus one sixty five, which is also just ridiculous. But uh, you, you maybe just do top five. I don't know his. Um, what those guys just said about Scheffler is uh, is, is a bingo's bingo. You know, he's uh, the fact that he was able to T2 and um, end up where he ended up. And he didn't even really have his best, you know, game for those four days. But he's, he's as steady. He's as steady as they come right now. Um, and like John mentioned, uh, you know, if he even when he's. He's cold with the putter. He, he still does enough. He has some magic, you know, as we saw last year when, uh, you know, when he was chipping everywhere in the, in the big events last year. But, um, and I also agree with, with those guys. I think it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when for, for Victor Hovland. Um, I think he's, he's going to win a major at some point. He's, he's, He's been tantalizingly close as of late, and he's won some big events. I mean, he won one in the Middle East, and you know we joked we joked about it earlier on the show. Like Hovland was like, he's the king of winning events, like in uh, beautiful islands and tropical areas with limited fields or whatever. But they are good fields, so you know he he's good. You know he's he's no ding dong. He'll figure it out. Um, the rest of the field, yeah, it was interesting to see Bryson up there. Um, I, you know, parallels of Wingfoot with, with the Northeast. I, I, I agree with that as well. Um, you know, Xander, maybe Xander's too nice of a guy. Um, I saw his wife, by the way, in San Diego. I wasn't like, hey, how are you? But I, I was like, that's definitely Maya Shoffley with her friend. But um, yeah, he's starting to like. We know how good he is, like in the majors, but he hasn't won one yet, and I'm I'm starting to get concerned. Well, not concerned, but like a little worry. Well, not 
I mean, I'm not his friend or anything, but like maybe he's just just gonna be destined to like be a perennial top ten, top twenty, backdoor top five type of guy in these majors because I don't know something. He hasn't uh, won a major yet. He came awfully close to Augusta a couple of years ago, and he I think he hit it in the water on 16 when Hideki won. But I don't know. I, I expected a lot more out of Xander, to be honest, uh, this week, and it didn't happen. The other thing that I got a kick out of this uh, PGA Championship is seeing guys like um, our friend Tommy wouldn't know if he fell on him, but we all know him. Pablo Larathabel was in the mix because I he must have won a well he did win a DP tour event earlier this year so that's probably how he got into the field and then Thorbjorn Olsen was in the event because he won a DP event so it's always funny seeing some of these like uh older crop of Euro guys I'm not talking about Robert McIntyre and the uh Hoygaard brothers. I'm talking about the guys that we saw like early in the mornings, like five years ago on, on the golf channel, um, playing in these events, uh, in the majors. So yeah, it was a crazy, uh, tournament just because of the weather and some of the, like Sammy Burns is a really good golfer. And I think he shot like 80 on like in round one. So he didn't make the cut and, or obviously. And I think he was like plus 14, for the two days that he was playing out there. Um, just some nasty, nasty scores. Um, Taylor Gooch, he, you know, he came in, you know, as hot as hot can be winning these live events, but he, he wasn't ready for, he wasn't ready for Oak Hills, obviously. Um, let's see, any other guys that were disappointing? Yeah, I would say John Rahm's performance was a little disappointing. Um, because you expect so much out of Rom lately. Uh, let's see, what else? What else? Um, yeah, what I, I'll say this about Rory, as John mentioned, like we give him a clap because he wasn't a complete disaster, but he was still plus four at some point on round one. And you're like, mm. and then he said that he didn't get a good night. He thought he got a good night's sleep, but his whoop, his whoop was giving him bad signals like Rory, you let stop talking, just win a fucking major and be done with it. We all want Rory to win a couple more majors. Um, but he's you know, he he's a good he's a good mouthpiece. He and he always has insightful things to say, and it's just you know, sometimes too much of a good thing can be uh, detrimental. I, th I think we're getting that with Rory. And it, is it going to surprise anyone late August when he wins like the FedEx and he's like, oh, this was a great year. But man, you you sucked at Augusta. You didn't do as well as you thought you could do with the PGA. But he's got, you know, we got the British Open and we got the US Open. But now I'm already getting mad thinking about last year's British Open when he couldn't make a putt and Cam Smith took it. But you know, he's still a really good golfer. Um, and about the the weather, I know I know Mike was there, got the firsthand experience. Um, the, you cannot have frost delay. It's just 
could not have Friday at one of your flagship events of the year. But it's the Northeast, so the Northeast in May is still fair game with some crazy weather. Um, so I don't know. I know the traditional, the traditional time in the calendar in August. Unfortunately, I don't think they're ever going to go back. Although we had some interesting ideas the last time we did this podcast, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like these Northeast tracks are just can only be realistically played at either Ryder Cups or uh, U.S. Open when you know you're in the second or third week in June, and you know cold cold weather is not going to be an issue. And obviously, New England and the Northeast in the in September is always pretty nice. So. Yeah, with the PGA in May, like okay, just have the events in like Oklahoma and in in the southeast, I guess. But yeah, you're gonna have to reconsider these northeast venue going forward. Well, I mean, some of them are have so much history. I mean, Oak a good example of that. But I, I completely understand you where you're coming from on that, Andy. Um, let's go over and uh, get some more surprises and disappointments. So let's start with Mike. Um, I, I guess before I get into that, Dave, I'll just touch on uh, what Andy said about you know, the Northeast venues. I think around where I'm from, the New York City metro, you wouldn't get a frost delay. That would be a, like an exceedingly odd day. But in terms of if you did get up further into New England, like if you wanted to play a PGA championship at the country club, for instance, it could be dicey. And upstate New York, like upstate New York is fucking cold. Um, so it's definitely... <clears throat> uh dicey up there and then just quickly on the course because i did get to walk around a little bit when i wasn't sinking through mud or uh you know getting soaked (laughs) but um you know going into the event um i think one well one the course is completely different than it was and they really did a good job on the um the restovation or the renovation slash uh, restoration whatever you want to call it um, and it definitely opened up the course a lot more for because if you looked at like 03 and 2013, it was very tight, tons of trees, and it really favored a control player and sort of neutralized power. Didn't look like that at all when I was there. And if you look at who was on top, clearly that was the case. Um, in terms of what the course reminded me of, so going in, I think the uh. The comparison was they were saying a mix between Oak Hill, uh, not Oak Hill, of course, a mix between Wingfoot and Bethpage Black. And really what the course reminded me of, that is a good comparison. The course was eerily similar to me to Ridgewood, where they had the Barclays, the FedEx Cup playoffs a couple of times, a U.S. amateur, just a slightly bolder version of Ridgewood, a little bit more aggressive with the bunkering around the greens, maybe a tiny bit more elevation change. But just in terms of, you know, the topography of the place, sort of the layout, the way some trees uh, mix in a little bit, very similar. Very, very similar and a uh, terrific job. But also that rough was no joke at all. I mean, they they weren't messing around here at all. It was like the first thing I noticed when I walked in. I was like, whoa, uh, all right, that's legit. Uh, surprises, disappointments. Uh, you know what? I, I guess I'll just give you a couple of disappointments here. Um, Jason Day. He's really been playing well this year. If you look at the underlying metrics on data golf, and again, shout out to John for uh, that trick to get the uh, live tournament stats after the tournament has ended. Thank you. 
if you look at like this data golf rankings, his performances and everything, he's really trending in the right direction. And of course he won for the first time in four years at the uh, Byron Nelson, obviously on a very easy course, but he's been playing well regardless. And he had nothing. He had absolutely nothing. I think it was eight over missed the cut. And that was it for him. And that's disappointing. Um, I think uh, another guy who I would say was a disappointment was Tony Finau. You know, a- a- after so many years of being the guy who was perennially in the top five, but not winning over like the last calendar year, he's really turned it on. I think he has what four, five wins in that time period. And I just felt that from what I was hearing about Oak Hill and from what I saw of it myself, that it seemed like it was a course that really, really would have suited his game. And let's see, he made the cut, but he finished in 72nd place. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think this was a place that would have suited him, but I don't know. I, we should still see more from him, but I expected more out of him this week. Uh, anyone else surprise or disappointments? Um, Adam Scott had kind of been trending in the right direction and he didn't do anything this week. And at 42, you kind of feel like, all right, he's gotten his game back up to a, a pretty decent level recently. And maybe he's sort of trying to build himself up. Hey, one more chance to really make a run at something, but that was not the case this week. I thought, you know, maybe he could have been an under the radar guy, but uh, didn't get it done. Dustin Johnson. I don't know what to make of him. Uh, I really don't know what to make of him. I know he won on live uh, with Tulsa with that whole debacle with it getting pulled off the air right after Trump uh, went on truth social and told everyone to go watch the uh, live tournament. They pulled it off the air. Apparently that won't be happening anymore that they they've worked out a deal where uh, it'll stay on and you won't get reruns of the Goldbergs. But uh, that being said, yeah, that that's just, you know, <laughs> they've had such a good moment this week with Brooks Kepler. <laughs> they did because that was embarrassing. I mean, let's be honest. That that, that makes you look like some. Would, would they even pull off like a high school state championship to show a rerun on the scene? I don't think so. Like that, that 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 was not good. Um, but anyway, getting back to my point, we we know that Dustin Jensen is one on the live tour. Um. But I, I I just I don't know if he gives a shit anymore. I, I saw when I saw him at the Masters, I was like, he's gained 25 pounds. He's significantly bigger. I don't know how much he's practicing anymore. And, you know, he may have just decided, you know what? I got that second major. I got that off my back. I've won, what, 20 times. He's already was worth 90 million or something, apparently, before he got the live money. And he just. You know, he might be, hey, you know what? I'm happy with where my life is. And you know what? If you have that much money, eh, well, I guess you're entitled to do that. But um, I won't be, uh, you know, and he is a little bit older. He is, what, close to 40 years old. So that could be part of it, too. But I won't be in a hurry to throw money on him until I see something from him at a major tournament going forward. So, um anyone else no i think that's it i i guess there was one uh notable incident i'll bring up 
someone made a uh, sarcastic comment about cheating to Patrick Reed and his caddy, who is his brother-in-law, flipped off the fan. So, uh, yeah, he uh, still hasn't learned how to just, you know, <laughs> deal with it. And I don't know if he has PR people. I know he's filing frivolous lawsuits against people with one of the more notorious lawyers in America, but... Like, I, I, I don't get it. At times that guy can actually say things that half make sense when he's, but he just, he can't keep it together and he's just a PR disaster. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got for you, Dave. Well, that's a pretty good rundown. Uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, let's go over to John. Any, uh, any, anything to add as far as surprises and disappointments? Uh, no, not really. We did a good job, um, covering most of them. Uh, I'll just add, like, I was on Dustin Johnson as well. Like, I picked the wrong live guy for all the different pools. Like, I should have gone, obviously, Kepka instead of DJ. You, you know, it was fool's gold, him winning there in Tulsa, you know, in front of the, you know, the, the audience of who knows what, and you know, watching that on television. I tried to find it, too. And then, like, you know, it, it got taken off the air. Then you had to, like, scramble to the app. It's just horrible, horrible situation uh, for, if you're trying to find live coverage. But... Um, yeah, I agree on Fino. Like, I was high on him, too. Like, it was going to fit. This course was going to fit him. A long course that favors to guys who have a good approach game. Like, that's his jam right there. And he was just awful. You know, I guess he just stick to winning, like, you know, the Mexico Open and Rocket Mortgage Classic and those type of events. He just hasn't really moved up to that kind of next level of, of when he's going to be in contention. I know he did win a playoff event, but still, um, you know, he has not really done well in, in terms of really contending in majors. Um, and then one other guy, Sung J.M., I saw a lot of people on him. He shot 80 in the first round. Just a horrific uh, day one uh, from him. And he ends up, you know, obviously missing the cut easily at, at 13 over. Um, so other than that, I really don't have anybody else in terms of, like, horrible disappointments. I mean, we touched on Rom. Uh, first round was just brutal. He just didn't have it. And kudos to him like in the past he would have like really probably thrown in the towel and just like said you know fuck this and just really not cared um but he he grinded to make the cut and he played the whole weekend and then he gave some great analysis too on cbs so he definitely has a future in that if his game ever goes to shit and you know he's you know they need him to fill in as a commentator he, he definitely has some good analysis so um good job out of him there and um yeah, the only really surprise, I would say, I mean, we talked about the guys that kind of backboard the way into the top five, but, like, Block was, like, really the only big surprise that, like, came out of nowhere, and they kept showing, you know, over and over again over the weekend. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We, we did a good job here of, of covering, the, covering the list. Yeah, very nicely done, everybody. I mean, I, I don't know if you really want to get too deep into television coverage, but if any of you want to get into that, we can. Oh, wait, but let's go to Andy. Anything you want to add as far as the rest of the field or anything else? Just scrolling real quick, I was going to um, piggyback a thought on uh, piggyback on on Mike's thoughts. Yeah, I Adam Scott was a sneaky disappointment because he uh, he had been playing well. He was in contention the week before. I saw a tweet from like a good golf account on Twitter. I, I forget which one. There's so many of them, but um, like. Bet Adam Scott live now. This was like round one of the PGA because they were like, he actually swung it like a blind man the week before and almost won. Like he's 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 getting it together, but 
he didn't, but he has such a beautiful swing. Him and Rory both have beautiful swings. Like it's 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 shocking when he goes a little off kilter. So yeah, Adam Scott, sneaky disappointment. And then just to quickly expand on the enigma that is Dustin Johnson, like his aloofness has helped him, and then his aloofness plagues him. And um me and a couple of buddies were in a very small one and done league where you pick one golfer can't use them the rest of the year, but for the majors, we picked two. And then, um, anyway, uh, we all took Brooks Kepka uh, for the live. Cause you, you know, you can only, you get four chances basically to use the live guys. Um, but we were all joking about DJ, like leading up to Saturday's round in the rain. And we're all like, DJ is so checked out. Like, He's going to give absolutely zero fucks in this weather. And um, DJ was my other guy. And then the other guys that took Kepka had Xander. So basically I, I was rooting for DJ and the other guys rooting for Xander. I was like, DJ, I was like, you, you guys are probably right, but I'm hoping you got some fresh Coke to concentrate. And uh, nope, no, 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 no. He, he, he ballooned on that Saturday. And I, yeah, I think Mike's right. He, he does. He does look like he packed on a few pounds. Um, and yeah, you no one's ever gonna confuse his work ethic with Alex Noren hitting hitting balls till he's got blisters on his hands. They all like, I think it's like the no laying up account likes to always post a picture of DJ on the boat when <laughs> when DJ's blowing up and yeah, D, I think DJ he'd, he'd rather be fishing and on his boat sometimes than trying to win some of these golf tournaments, but he is blessed with talent and he's made a hell of a lot of money um but yeah i the killer instinct i mean it's, he does he he doesn't possess it probably because he hasn't had to have it because he's just been so much more talented and, and gifted physically um yeah but you're he's not hitting balls till he's got blisters in his hands like nope nope but yeah i would uh yeah lesson learned Stay away from DJ sometimes in adverse conditions. It's hard for me to tell when that happens. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's like sometimes you think DJ is going to blow up and then he actually ends up doing pretty decently. It's just, I think this was a weekend where, you know, in the adverse conditions, I think that was kind of a good spot to, to fade him. But like, again, sometimes you do that and then it just kind of goes the other way. So you're just, it's kind of tough to read him these days. Obviously he's not playing that well in general. And I just love the commentary. I, mean, I think everybody's kind of gotten into that. It's a really interesting conversation. And Mike, I, I mean, you're welcome to to get into this a little bit too. Did he ever have Killer Instinct? Do you think it's just always been the way he's played? Like, what, do you feel like that's there's been that's come and gone? Like, what's your feeling with DJ's career? Um, you, you know, I I think he got scarred pretty early on, um, when he burst onto the scene. Because there was 2010 where he was up by a few going into the final round of the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And what, he shoot 82 or something that round. Then to bookend that, he had that infamous, uh, the bunker at Whistling Straits on the 18th where he got the one-stroke penalty and fell out of, for grounding his club, and then fell out of a playoff. Um, then the next year, he was in pretty decent 
uh, position at the 2011 Open Championship, which Darren Clark, of all people, won. And he, he fell apart in um, tough weather. But, you know, I, I would guess it's almost something that he didn't have because if you look at his amateur career, it's not like it was anything special. And but the guy burst onto the scene and, you know, he said this incredible length, this ball flight. and Yeah, I, I definitely think there is something to that, that, um, you know, he could not necessarily half-ass it, but he knew that, you know, he could give a certain percentage or work to a certain level and it would be good enough to have really good results. Um. But I don't know. You know, he he's won two major championships. He um he had a long period where he was number one in the world, and he had some injuries. And I I think he started to get better um in terms of having a mindset on how to do things. I really think it changed when for he was predominantly a draw player um coming up, and he realized you know what I I really got to hit a fade off the tee. Once he started hitting fades off the tees, and once he really made it a point to dial in his wedges, he got a lot better at that. I think that was a little bit of a shift for him. Um, but you know, by the time he did that, he was getting towards his mid thirties. So, yeah, I, I don't think he necessarily had a killer instinct. He got better. It was never great, and uh, now we're at the point where. You know, he's going on 40, and he's like, yeah, so be it. So uh, I, I guess that would be my take on him. Well, I, I think that's – that makes sense to me. I mean, I mean, John, anything you want to add as far as killer instinct with uh, DJ's career? No, I mean, he's been around a long time. Um, I'll add another – like one of those the heartbreaks is when he three-putted on the final green against Jordan Spieth at um, the course in Seattle. I mean, that was that was brutal. So like he had, he's had a lot of those moments where he, I mean, he easily could have like four or five majors, and he's still won two, twenty wins on the PGA Tour. I mean, um, you know, he's always kind of had like that, you know, kind of calm d- demeanor. Like he doesn't show a lot of emotion on the course. I mean, I don't know. Like we don't know what's going inside of him, but like I would say he's probably more maybe mentally tough than we give him credit for. But, but yeah, I mean he. Like I said, he usually could have won more majors, and he still might. He still might uh, win a few more, but um, just the way his career has gone, um, you know, I think he's he's really gotten really a lot out of it, and it could have could have been much more. Like I said, but yeah, in terms of like a, a killer instinct, I don't think he's any like more or less than any of the the top players, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of come gone back and forth on it too. Like I I don't think necessarily he's got like tiger killer instinct in his prime but i also don't think he's ricky fowler you know so i feel like somewhere in the middle i feel like somewhere in the middle of those two so um i thought i think that's gonna put 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 the uh pga championship in the books a solid tournament this year i don't really want to get too deep into television coverage i mean there really just wasn't much to say like i thought it was solid like i thought the espn coverage was okay i mean maybe even better than okay but mike uh we can you if you do want to dabble in it, you feel free. Otherwise, go ahead. We can look ahead to what's coming up. We mentioned Charles Schwab. We've got uh, some of the tournaments, and then obviously we're counting down to the Open. Um, just in, in uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the Open uh, in at right here in LA Country Club is going to be pretty pretty cool stuff. So the, the U.S. Open coming up in about a month. So, uh, Mike, let's give it to you, and get, I'll give you the floor. 
Yeah, no, nothing to really add uh, about the television coverage. I was kind of, uh, you know, moving around a lot the first three days. So um, on Sunday, I was able to get uh, back here, uh, you know, to where I live um, before the uh, leaders teed off to watch. So I wasn't really, you know, I, I, I had it on, but I was with people basically the entire time. So, you know, volume was down. I was keeping an eye on it. So. Not nothing to really add uh, about the coverage because I'd be parachuting in, frankly. So, it is what it is. Uh, looking forward, so um, I'll give you one interesting thing to look at this week. Um, we do have the Charles Schwab Classic. We'll get our uh, plethora of Ben Hogan stories, no doubt. And you know, there it is a pretty good field. Scheffler's playing. So, um, one uh, interesting thing is that the senior PGA championship is this week and it's at uh, PGA Frisco. Now PGA Frisco in a few years is going to host the PGA championship. It is a basically a brand new course that I think uh, Gil Hans designed. And basically the PGA built a complex of courses in their new headquarters in Frisco, Texas, and decided we're going to have a PGA championship here. So, uh, people don't know that much about it. If you want to, you know, get a sprinkling of what you'll be in for for a few years on an unknown new uh, entity, well, here's your chance. Uh, Colonial is a little interesting because they're going to do a pretty big uh, restoration of Colonial, actually, after this year, I believe. So this will be like the last year of what the course is now. So, um, and Colonial always seems to produce exciting events. So it'll probably be worth tuning in for on um sunday and then we, we actually are in a pretty good stretch here um so uh the memorial tournament uh which jack nicholas hosts at Muirfield village which is a great course and always a really good field and it's a designated event so you get tons of players you get a uh you know a quality course with a lot of uh risk reward and high drama opportunities throughout so that'll be fun as it always is and then you have the canadian open preceding the U.S. Open by a week. And Canadian Open the last few years, too, has seemed to produce a good amount of drama. So that'll be fun. And then we do have L.A. Country Club, a also the North Course at L.A. Country Club, which is also a debut um, course on the major stage. It did host a uh, U.S. Amateur a few years ago. Uh, listen, it's really, really good. Uh, it's basically a coin flip between um lacc and riviera as to what the best um courses in los angeles and we know how good riviera is so to be able to say that lacc it's a coin flip that should give you an idea um I, listen i've never seen it in person but from what i've seen in video games of it and granted it's a video game but video game the course in video games you do get a good idea of the topography and the shot values much more so than you do purely from seeing it on tv my thought of LACC is that it definitely has a better, the land has more variety, there's more movement in it than there is at Riviera. Riviera might be a better result with what they had to work with, but uh, it's a really good course and, and it's going to be exciting. So don't know if you're going to be in the mix all at, at all, Dave, but uh, you know, it, it should be fun around there with the uh, influx mm -hmm. of people because the Rochester area was absolutely popping I heard when it. I was out. Every bar was packed. It, it, TVs, all of them were on the PGA Championship coverage. The restaurants were packed. Um, 
I think the Day of America actually was having a private event like nearby a place where I was eating because I saw a bunch of guys uh, walking around in, uh, you know, blazers and <laughs> polos and looking like uh, trying to look a lot more important than they probably actually are in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. I, I, th- I think we're all guilty of that at points throughout our yep. life. But, uh, yeah, it should be a uh, fun next month. Absolutely. I am looking at tickets. Tickets currently are going for around 200 bucks, which it's a lot, but it's also kind of worth it. I don't know. Well, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. It's not terrible. I don't know how that would compare to what you paid, what, what it was going for for the PGA, Mike, but... Uh... 310, Dave. Oh, okay. the, the, they were in high demand in oh, Rochester. Wow. Okay. That's more than I paid to go to the U.S. Open, but wow. granted, that was 10 years ago now. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's... That's... That's why it's twelve cents instead of ten cents now. I mean, every, everything <laughs> is everything is more. Absolutely. Um, let's go to John. Let's get your look ahead to this to the schedule coming up. But definitely some good events on the way to the U.S. Open at LACC as well. Yeah. A quick note: uh, Brooks Capital was at this Panthers uh, Hurricanes game. They showed him in a you know a pair of Florida Panthers jersey, and the Panthers are winning one nothing. Uh, so uh, as someone who has a future on them to win the cup, I hope they can close this out. Um, and the Lakers blew that lead very quickly, Dave. I'm sorry. Uh, well, this is this is ugly. I kind of, kind of <laughs> the thing I was worried about because you know, the Lakers have been notorious for blowing halftime leads this year, and that's the thing. And so I was actually a little worried about that. So it is what it is. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, we'll see. The fourth quarter, LeBron might you know go and put his magic cape on and save them. But Joker, yeah. he's, he's just unbelievable, this guy. But in any event. Um, yeah, good next month of golf, really. Um, Mike laid it out. The Schwab tournament here always is an entertaining finish. It's a good field. Um, you would think usually the week after a major, it's it's not a really good field, but especially for a non-designated event, too, the way they have this structured. But um, I think maybe the course kind of draws these guys in. Um, so, yeah, good field here. Obviously, the Memorial is going to be a great field. with It's designated, and, of course, the Jack Nicklaus factor. Um, the Canadian Open is at a new course this year. I don't think they've ever played at this Oakville Country Club, so that'll be interesting to check it out. And it's you know it's a national open. They'll, they'll they'll have a decent field, and then obviously the U.S. Open, and then my event here, the Travelers, is, is a designated event, and like all the top guys have already committed to playing here. So you have like the next five weeks of golf are going to be really good, and then you get a couple breathers uh, after the Travelers before you we um, ramp up again in, in Scotland for for those for that swing, but. Um, yeah, good, good uh, next month of action here and um, should be should be fun to follow. We only got really two months left of the golf season, which is crazy when you think about it. Well, three if you want to include August in the FedEx Cup, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. But, but two months of like major championship golf left, which is, man, where does, where does the time go? I mean, Dave, we'll be on here talking about uh, Sunbelt football soon enough. You're not kidding. It's coming. It's it's right around the corner. It's gonna be exciting times. Exciting times. Um. And you know what's really great about uh, about the college football season? It, it, I feel like we might we might have a little bit more parity than normal. I still think Georgia is going to be the team to beat, obviously, but the other three teams is kind of where I'm kind of curious about. Something we'll talk about later, but yeah, we'll see. Um, anything you want to add, Andy, as far as what's coming up? Yeah, I'll just chime in i i remember when mike brought up the frisco course a few years ago on this on one of the one of these editions of the show and he was like they want it the pga wants to have a 
course, to host a major is going to be in Frisco, Texas. I, it's coming up. That's kind of wild. And uh, I always, I talked to John about this offline. I always confuse Schwab with, with, with Nelson because Byron Nelson's like a good uh, golfer. So I like, can we just re just colonial, like, not have it called Charles Schwab because I get I get the events always confused and one event obviously is always traditionally better than the other and it's yeah colonial 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 it's got a historic golf course original Hogan's Alley colonial 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 and the Byron Nelson event just because Byron Nelson's an old ass really good golfer but the field always sucks so call it something else or Andy could just remember moving forward. But yeah, we are in the uh, the meat in the guts of this golf season. You know, it's funny. Like I feel like the narrative of weak fields in uh, for events after majors is is almost diminished now at this point. And it's really the events the week before the majors are kind of caca. You know, years ago that Houston Open was always a strong field because the course kind of mimicked Augusta's greens and then they lost their time slot. And, you know, now it's the Valero open, but you know, everyone loves going to Hilton head after Augusta because it's goddamn it's fucking Hilton head. And it's where else, you know, it's a resort paradise and it's a short uh, trip from Augusta. And then John's event, everyone swears that it's a great, event um course is good they get top players apparently the hospitality for these guys is, is through the roof so um the fields after the u.s open are have been traditionally good getting stronger every year and then now um as, as those guys mentioned cologne is uh is a strong event um, and it's on a legendary golf course so um yeah, these these fields that are that are strong, just uh, just embrace them while you can because, yeah, not a ton of golf left. We got the majors, Scottish Open, Jack's tournament, always plagued by thunderstorms because it's in Ohio in late June, and then you have our the fucking lulls, you know, Rocket Mortgage. Um, you know, Detroit, Minnesota, you know, 3M, although maybe one of them is gone by now. But, um, and then I read that uh, Myrtle Beach is going to have an event next year. It's, it's an opposite field event. So either the, I forget which week it's going to go head to head with, you know, a world championship or something like that. But good, good for Myrtle Beach. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. It's it's a fun golf season. Yeah, Dave, um, I would I would try to go to LACC if I were you. Um, and Mike's right. Like, uh, you you get a good look on the video games. Speaking of video games, fuck EA Sports. Uh, just <laughs> ma- bad timing buying a PS4 because I bought a PS4 during COVID, and then uh, the new EA Sports golf game, which has better graphics than PGA 2K23, is only available for like PS5 and the newest Xbox. And the new college pigskin game, which is coming out this summer, is only available for PS5 
and the uh, new Xbox. And as much as I want to play that college football game, I'm not going to spend like the 500 bucks for the new video game system when the PS4 is less than three years. You know, I guess PS4s came out in 2013, so it's my fault for buying one in 2020 anyway. But I mean, why can't we have that game on PS4? It's not like PS4 is a fucking dinosaur. And it, well, but I, I I can't really speak on. Another very really interesting point. I I don't really know how long it's been out. I should, I should, I mean, PS Five barely came out compared to PS Four. So that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I would think they would. I would think that they could figure make make that work too. Good call, Andy. Um, so I think this is a pretty decent time to go to final thoughts. If you want to bring up anything else, feel free. But Mike, uh, I'll give you the floor first for any final thoughts or anything else you want to get into. I guess to make this a little bit all about myself, um, you know, over the years when I've gone to golf tournaments and I actually have not been to one in several years, I've had very good luck with the weather. I've been uh, about it, it that I've been to like, I think 11 or 12 rounds of uh, golf events in like the last 10 years or so. And I really only had had one that got affected by the weather before today. So, I mean, before uh, the PGA championship. So, I did sit there in the rain, um, and I learned a valuable lesson that if you're going to be out in a rain for six hours, a raincoat alone is not going to suffice. You need the rain pants, oh, wow. you need an umbrella, and uh, you probably need a poncho over all the rain. And also give you a hot take on this. People who bring umbrellas to golf tournaments, you should not be able to open them up if you're standing right against the ropes. That was really the biggest problem. I can deal with being wet. I can accept it. It is what it is. We've committed to a, a, a course of action at this point. Fuck it. Gonna live, right? But the, the worst thing, honestly, was you couldn't, it was so difficult to see things because you just had this wall of umbrellas up. The organizers have to do something about that. You can't have people right against the ropes with the umbrellas open. You want to stand right against the ropes? You know what? Put up your hood on your raincoat. Sorry. You should not ruin the spectator. I shouldn't say ruin, but it affects how you go around watching the tournament. So listen, if you're in a, if you're going, if you're going to go to a golf tournament, anyone here who may be watching and it's going to rain, you can't plan on following people. You got to like park yourself out at an area or two and wait for people to come by. And that's how you have to watch it. So uh, that is what it is. But on the flip side, uh, I've sort of been on this infamous streak. This was the third straight major where someone I have bet outright was leading the tournament on Saturday. And if, if I had Kepka, so finally, finally, my luck has changed because I would have been three quarters of the way to the infamous Greg Norman Saturday <laughs> slam. And you know what I may have done? I may have bet a ton of units on someone to be the outright third round leader at the U.S. Open. And then, of course, I probably would have ended up picking the second round leader. So, yeah, I was able to get a decent chunk of change made up for my uh, horrendous roulette performance in Atlantic City, where the money just disappeared like like that. You know, how do, how does it roll black five out of six times that I'm playing on picking red every time? Oh that's roulette for you, God. Mike. But, no, Double it is zero is where it's at. That's where you got yeah, well, to yeah. money. Yeah, I got I got zero. I got to change the strategy up. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, my luck turned around a little bit. So, 
Well, listen, I was glad I went anyway. Like John alluded to, it's a major championship. I've been fortunate enough to be uh, to three of them now. Um, you know, I'm still in that master's lottery every year. I'm just hoping one year that I get the, hey, you got X number of tickets to whatever round, even if it's a practice round. That's the, uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever realistically ever be able to make it to an open championship. And if I can't, so be it. But uh, that, that that's the uh, holy grail is to make it to a master. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, one year I got a, uh, sorry, you did not win master's tickets on my birthday. And I was like, you know, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I've gotten that but, too. Uh, yeah, mm. enough about that. So uh like and i i would say this we're definitely headed for a uh, interesting last two majors here um with where the game is this whole live pga tour thing where kepka is where scheffler is with his game and then of course you know i haven't talked about rory but we're going to a course where he won the open championship in 2014 so maybe that gives him some good vibes but we're uh we've had a very strong year and we're set up for a strong finish Dig it. Yeah, I, I really appreciate those those comments, like especially the 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 anecdotes about attending. You just don't even think about things like that. Of course. Absolutely. Like you open an umbrella at the ropes, you're blocking like, you're blocking like six people from seeing anything. That's terrible. Terrible job out of those guys. Um, let's go over to, to John. Anything? Um, and John, I did want to mention that, you know, you probably saw it on the, on the telecast, but Josh Allen and Von Miller were in the mix uh, in the in the in the field in the uh, in the audience, which I think is pretty cool. I see that Josh is and Von are both big golf guys, which is kind of neat. So they're kind of in their backyard, and so they went to see the event. But I am told they're going to go see some other big events, including potentially the U.S. Open. So there, if I did end up going, there's a, chance, there's a non-zero chance I could end up meeting meeting either or both of them. So that's kind of cool too. So, uh, John, let's get your final thoughts and anything else you want to add as far as tonight. Yeah, no, it was a great tournament. Um, the course was fantastic. I thought the, just quickly on the coverage, I mean, you get, you know, every from the first shot to the last putt every day is available with ESPN and ESPN Plus coverage, so you can't beat that. Um, and it was, you know, Brooks was a well-deserved champion. And, and like everyone else said, we're set up for a, a great final two months of the, of the major golf season. And um, it'll be interesting to see where we are here in the next month when we – uh, reconvene after the LA uh, U.S. Open, and um, you know I, I would agree, Dave. If you have a chance to go, go go to the major championship. Spend the two hundred bucks, even if it's just for for one day. Um, obviously, it'll be just for a one day ticket. Just go and and do it because it'll definitely be worth it. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, not only that, but then the allure of being able to go to LACC. There's no way I could go there as a as a. <laughs> There's no way I could go there as a civilian. I'd have to be attended, basically. There's no way I would ever be allowed to, to play there. So you you have a really good point. It's like there's a lot going for it there. Um, so Andy, any, any other thoughts you want to add as final thoughts? Yeah. Um, all about me. I was in San Diego. Got back late last night. I thought I was coming back today, but I, I realized the flight was last night. So no excuse for making this podcast today. Um First world problem was like, why did it take me so long to visit San Diego? Great city. Didn't see UCH. Um, I was had a lot of, you know, going to two Red Sox games and was, was with, you know, my dad and half brother. So um, didn't have like all the time in the world to 
I don't know where UCH lives. We're in the gas lamp district. But next time you see UCH, we'll see you. Um, great city. I mean, that city fucking snaps. Um, great city, Dave. You spend a lot of time in San Diego. I do. I do. It, and I completely agree with everything you said. It's 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 called them. I mean, there's a reason it's called one of the what one of America's finest city or something like that. Like it's. Yeah. it's I'm awesome. going to a Vetter Cup. I'm going to a Mariner Padre game. I'm going or. Uh-huh. Either Vetter Cup or Holiday Bowl, I'll be there, and I've, oh, uh, I'll it. ditch my mom. I'll do it, you know, because I'll be in Palm Springs. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're going to San Diego. I'm not going to wait another forty-one years to go there. I love it. Uh, yeah. The other thing, I'm playing the, you know, took too long. I'm playing. I do a nine-hole uh, men's golf league on Tuesday nights. I know John does men's league and i was always into i was like i don't want to do it it's so stuffy but i was wrong like maybe i just found the right club but again should have should have been playing in these golf leagues a lot earlier in life but what are you gonna do um and then yes echoing john and mike's thoughts dave get get to lacc even even if it's a practice round gotta go or if not just go on like thursday or friday and then you can watch the final rounds from the comforts of your home yep. yeah looking for looking forward to lacc yeah. love the prime time windows because of west coast you know the, the networks will you know try to get the most out of those late uh tea times over the weekend father's day sunday um and one last final thought what was it golf oh uh yes like they're gonna, they're gonna have to figure it out at some point because it, next thing you know, it's gonna be September and Zach Johnson better. Like, how can you leave Kepka off the Ryder Cup team? That's all I gotta say. I mean, there might be a that might be pettiness. That's a good question. Yeah, you're right, Andy. Like, you can't at this point. I mean, how could? Yeah, exactly. So, friends. Fellas, this has been really this has been really fun. Thank you again, everyone, for hanging out. Um, um, good luck to all your action, whatever it may be. The rest of the of the playoffs too, if you have any, whatever you or or, or in also your golf game, of course. Make sure hopefully that's going great. Pumped up that you got to finally see San Diego, Andy. That's awesome. Yeah, good great stuff. City. Great, great, food. walkable. Yes, so walkable. Yes, so walkable. You know, it's yeah. You know, we could get in the tangent about Twitch because I was there for TwitchCon last uh, last fall. It was an amazing setup for TwitchCon. And I'm a little concerned that Vegas is not going to have that same feel because it's not walkable like San Diego. It's going to be a different scenario. I, feel, I mean, you've been to both places now. Wouldn't you feel like that there's a different vibe there? Well, yeah, Vegas is like Vegas on paper. You're like, oh, one hotel to the next hotel is short with, and you know there it's not a short walk. And I'm such an old cranky fuck at this point. Like, <laughs> like I'm, if I'm st- – I just want to stay like if I'm staying at Aria, I'm I'm staying. I'm like Bellagio is like as far as I go to basically, <laughs> you know, just everything, everything in close proximity. Yeah. Like that's a, you know, first world problem or whatever. But, you know, if I'm staying at Mandalay, like, you know, where Mandalay is like staying at Mandalay, that's because it's so south of the strip to go anywhere else. You have to devote another 30 minutes of time, or whatever. And you got kickoffs at 10 a.m. Right, right. That's a huge point. Like, I think whenever I'm there, and then when I'm there at that time of year, I'm absolutely staying at a place with a good sports book, or I'm, I'm staying near one, right? So, um, you know, I want to mention something before, since you're still, since you guys are all here. Um, 
the Mirage is going to undergo quite a lot of transition. They're going to become, rock. yeah, they're going to rock. And my concern is primarily with what are they going to do with that sports book? Because it's 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 favorites. It's like it's been really solid for so many years. What do you think? I don't know. Chris, our Vegas vacation will never be the same. I will say last year I stayed at um, Paris for the first time. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, you know, I go down at like 830 on the Saturday that I'm there. Right, I'm going to go put some bets in at the sports book. Little did I know, like they're doing renovations and like the sports book's not even open. Like they got two two tellers and like a kiosk to put bets in. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I ended up having to walk like all the way over to Bellagio to for to, to like to, to sit for the day to like to, to watch the games. Like that was so annoying. So I, you know, I hear what you guys are saying. Like I am definitely researching before I make my uh, hotel choice. For I mean, I know where the but like if I'm staying somewhere like that, I'm not quite sure of uh, researching the sports book for sure is is definitely the move because um, you got to you have your skill you want to do in the morning on Saturday and Sunday and you want to be there. For the get your bets in in, in uh, before the kickoff. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Big big point. All right. Well, well and then also, uh, if you guys know where um, Tropicana is, how can how do you how are they going to fit a baseball stadium there? Like I, I can't conceptualize <laughs> it. It's just like they're going to like tear down everything in that in that corner. Like I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't well, I read it. they're they're going to demolish it. they're going to demolish the Trop. Oh, they're yeah. getting, they're just yeah, taking the whole just, thing I down. Yeah, I can't see it, but I guess they're going to. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. They make it work if they do. If they demolish the whole thing, God, that sucks. That's a piece of history right there. That's serious history. Like, wow. On the other they hand, progress. They call it progress. Yeah, another part, but right. I don't know. I, I feel like I, you know. I usually go there in September. I can catch a UNLV game on one night and then go see the Las Vegas A's. I guess the next night. So <laughs> it'll be good times. It's just weird. I, uh, I, I, you know, it'll, you know, the Raiders are gonna are gonna work in Las Vegas. Knights, the Golden Knights, and the A's. I couldn't tell you. I don't love the chances. I don't love the chances of the A's there. I'm just like, who's gonna be going like sit there? I'm like, the first thing I want to do is watch baseball. It'll be all opposing fans though, Dave, coming right. in. That's how they're gonna fill the stadium. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's basically what the Raiders do now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I feel like they they. With that stadium, it's all about, you know, the hotels are going to win with all the occupants. There's a tourism, an orgy of tourism opportunities with right. the restaurants. No different with uh, SoFi getting all the big of like SoFi in Las Vegas, elite, whatever it's called now, Allegiant Stadium. Like they're going to, they're going to monopolize, they're monopolizing like S Super Bowls and Final Fours and all the big conventions and the concerts. Where else do you want to travel sometimes okay. besides Las Vegas? True, not true story. And Dave, I'll jump in real, real quickly here. You know, the Golden Knights have not slowed down at all. When that got announced, I was very questionable about it. And mm -hmm. another hockey team in a non-traditional hockey market. Well, we've seen how that worked. But right. yeah, it seems to be that there is a sports model in Vegas that people are always there. It's one of the tourist meccas of the world. And if you give them pro sports, the tourists are going to go to it. And it, you know, it hasn't worn off yet with the Knights and they've been there five, six years now. So, um, yeah, I guess there are some questions about baseball just in terms of, you know, the climate and when it's played, but I'm sure they'll build an indoor stadium, but, um, I think the A's will be all right. 
Bring the Arizona Coyotes to Hartford. That's my pitch. That'd be bring fun. The there you back. go. Hart- bring them back. Hartford Railers return. I love it. <laughs> Not bad. That's actually, yeah. Obviously, anywhere than Glendale, I think, is going to be the move. Or not even Glendale. At this point, it's Tempe, right? Like, they're playing in the same stadium as Arizona State? It's kind of nuts when you really think about it. it, It's a joke. They played in a 3,000-seat college arena. Yeah. Apparently, there were numerous complaints from the players to the, like, the Players Association being like, this is absurd. Um, And then then there was this vote denying an arena plan uh, last week. They're either going to go to Houston or uh, Kansas City, I think. I but think... who knows? Bettman's bent over backwards to keep him there for the last 15 years, and perhaps that won't change. But unfortunately, they're not going to go to Hartford, and they probably won't go to Canada either, which is where they frankly should go, I agree. like Hamilton, Quebec somewhere there but 100%. they'll go to another southern city <sighs> it's annoying it's and i kind of wonder if that other arena like the glendale arena seemed like a solid arena was it old or something i, I had no idea i never really been to it so i had no idea how big it was the or... city threw them out they threw them out they threw them out why like, no did bad attendance yeah, basically they got evicted right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's crazy oh i didn't know that that's crazy okay man who knew well, anyway, <laughs> that, that interesting note. We <laughs> lots of a lot going on. Um, Mike, the I should mention that the Florida Panthers did win the game, so they're up three nothing over Carolina. Kind of wild, kind of wild, actually. Um, big great job out of you getting that futures bid on on them, John. Honestly, that's really wow. What a call. That's that's really good. Yeah, stuff. I mean, I don't know much about hockey, but like after they beat the Bruins, I'm like, well, the Bruins were the best team in the league. Like, who else can't they beat at this point? Like, it's all a crapshoot for the most part in the playoffs. So they were twelve to one. I was like, shit, I'll put a little bit of money down on this. Yeah. So one more win, and I'm in good hedging position for Absolutely. for something in the yeah. in the Cup Finals. How about that's crazy? The Heat, the Panthers, Florida Atlantic, and Miami yep. Hurricane of college basketball. Like they are like arguably the sports cap of the country at this moment. Yeah, so so true, Andy. It's so true. What an what a story. What a, what a time for South Florida right now. Um, and then even on the other side of the state, Tampa Bay, the Rays are doing pretty well. You know, I mean the Lightning not so much, but still good stuff all around. Yeah, John. And the thing about Florida is like also know that after that series they got to play Toronto next. Like, yeah, it, you know, at least you figure they probably get another round. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, right. <laughs> So, yeah, nice, nice. That's a pretty good. That's a, uh, that's a pretty good move. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, so Lakers are down three, but it's not completely over yet. We'll see. All right, f- fellas. Uh, thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we'll see each other again soon. It, it should be fun. I'll, I'll I'll be up to date as far as what happens with the the open. I hopefully I'll be there. I feel like you're right. I should I should make it. I should make it work. It's right there. Like it, it just come on. Like I, I'll totally. You're going. I'm going. You're going. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All right, bye. Friends, thanks so much. Take it easy, everybody. All right, nice talking to y'all. Thanks for having me. Got it. Absolutely. I've got Take care, everyone. That's Andy. That's that's Mike. That's John. That was fun. That was fun. So, um, everyone you know who are who's listening to us via all your podcast um players, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. My name is Dave Medina. You know him as Davey's eating a sandwich on all the platforms. If you happen to be not having if you have nothing else going on tomorrow night. If you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday morning, May 23rd. Well, it happens to be my birthday. So Tuesday night or tonight, if you're listening to this podcast like right after it drops. 
Um, I'm going to be on Twitch for a birthday stream at 8 o'clock Eastern. So if you're looking for us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Davies eating a sandwich. And um, if you're on Twitch watching us live now, I'll tell you more about it. But for those of you on our podcast feed, thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you missed any part of our show, you can catch it on our on our YouTube page um, and our Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Davies eating a sandwich, or YouTube, also same handle, Davies eating a sandwich. And... Uh, and uh, it's been grand. It was a really good conversation, especially if you like golf. Definitely check out our friends uh, John and Andy and Mike. Um, they are on Twitter. I don't. I didn't. I didn't grab all their handles. But uh, next time we have them on, I'll, I'll let you know where they all are on Twitter, so you can you can follow them too over there. So until then, those of you on the podcast, we'll see you next time.